We are helping owners create cash flow and pay down their mortgage, while our guests feel like a millionaire for the time that they stay with us. It's no secret that focusing on others' outcome ultimately leads to more income for you and your company. Welcome to the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. Hello, welcome to another show of the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. This is your host, Mark McDaniel. I am really excited to introduce you guys to Steve Class. Steve and I were just catching up before the show, and he was telling me a little bit about what he's got going on, but Steve is an entrepreneur. Unfortunately, he was caught between a rock and a hard place during uh, 2020, during the COVID years, and uh, started a property management business. From there, he started a brokerage business, started a maintenance and uh, kind of contracting business, and is just up and away. So um, I won't say too much more. I'll let Steve kind of finish where I've started. But Steve, welcome to the show, man. So glad to have you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mark. Uh, I just wonder if I could just hire you just to kind of follow me around to do intros anywhere I walk in a room. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me of that. Um, I don't know if you've been following Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. No, no. At the end of every speech, he's like, "Give me my theme music," and this music comes on, and he walks down. <laughs> it's anyway. perfect, man. You have an announcer voice. I appreciate it. So, thank you for that intro. I'm really uh, excited to be on the show and share my story. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. I touched on it a little bit, but um, give us a little bit of background, kind of even before COVID, like. Tell us a little bit about you, kind of kind of where you grew up and what kind of family you grew up in. Were they entrepreneurs and and where did you get that where did you get that inclination? Yeah, so I have a a pretty unique background. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York and Staten Island. So very much New York City, if you couldn't tell with the hair and the accent already. And my father was involved with the Italian mafia growing up and went to federal prison. So that was when I was about 12 years old, which is crazy to, to say that out loud all the time. And obviously had a profound effect on me where I'm like, I saw what was happening. I saw like this glitzy life that we were living with a giant home, Corvettes in the driveway. And then instantly family on welfare, living in a small little one bedroom apartment with my brother and my mom uh, raising us for the next couple of years till he got out. Great relationship with my dad now, but it was, it was rough going at the time. Um, and that instilled with me a, a really fiery passion to never end up in this situation again. And I had didn't really have much guidance. I just knew that I had to figure it out at an early age of what not to do and how to achieve success. And success for me at the time was all financial. I changed that a little bit now. I'm a family man. My purpose is my needle has shifted. But at the time when I was a young man graduating college, that was my idea. And I thought that meant maybe getting going to higher education. Um, I'm 33 years old, so right in the middle of that millennial age group where they pushed a lot of the uh, higher education of just taking out student loans. So saddle with debt after college. And I kind of just fell into the hospitality fields, um, hotel management, event, event management. I was a DJ for 10 years. And just was kind of moving through the corporate ladder as I thought that was a path to financial success. I was always interested in entrepreneurship particularly in the fire movement. And I was listening to bigger pockets. I would read about real estate. I knew that there was something there to eventually achieve success. I knew that most millionaires also owned real estate. So I thought that was the, the correct way to go. 
And I started buying up some real estate as I got into my uh, late 20s along with my, my uh, now wife. And that was the idea. I was like, I'm just going to buy a piece of real estate every year. Maybe by the time I'm in my late 40s, I'll be good to go. I don't have to work the corporate uh, nine to five anymore. Lo and behold, COVID came. Now I was already in the hospitality industry. My wife was also a travel agent. Both of us lost our jobs due to the pandemic. I mean, total decimation. And at the time, my wife was six months pregnant with my, uh, my daughter. And we lost income. At the time, I owned two properties. I had some cash flow coming in. We had some savings, but not nearly enough where I can sit on my laurels. And I knew at that time, I'm like, I need to do something drastic right now to make a change. Nothing's going to kick you in the butt like uh, having a, a little one on the way. Mortgage still got to pay. Um, you know, all these bills that are still coming at us. So I looked at options. I already had a hospitality background. I love serving clients. That was like my big passion. Also had a, a knowledge of real estate now of buying just a few, two duplexes. That's all I had at the time. So I was looking into a way of really expanding the real estate empire. I didn't have unlimited capital. Maybe I could buy one more house and that was it, which wouldn't get me too far. I didn't want to go the wholesaling route either as I felt a little unethical potentially taking people's equity away. Now, I know there's a lot of great wholesalers out there don't want to knock in the street. It just wasn't for me. And I didn't want to go the realtor route of just working every single weekend, hunting for a paycheck with a transaction. So I looked into property management. I'm like, hey, this is a great way for explosive growth where it is a necessity. People need housing. They need it on a consistent basis. It's a recession-proof in a way. And I considered when we were in COVID to be a recession. Even now, I would say. So I started looking into the industry. I was in sales and marketing for a long time in the hospitality realm. Looked at my competitors and I was like, you know, no one's really knocking out of the park with their marketing. They're kind of been around for a decade already. They have a developed book of business, nothing too crazy. I bet with some clever marketing, I can get this off the ground. And uh, I'd moved from New York City now at the time to kind of flee the pandemic hotspot, bought a place out in Connecticut. So I didn't really have any connections. I didn't have a sphere of influence to grow. I knew that I had to use some marketing to really get some leads coming in the door. And I focused on pain points. So what do people fear the most when they're dealing with tenants? It's going to be evictions. It's going to be what if something breaks. And it's also going to be what if uh, you know the place remains vacant and I can't get a great tenant in here. So I used those pain points when I was creating these ad campaigns. Like get your place rented in two weeks or you don't pay. Or the first month is on us. Or, you know, tired of dealing with contractors who would no show. Give us a call. Like very simple ad words. And I used, uh, I read that book that's behind me, um, Million Dollar Offers by Alex Ramosi. Great book. I highly recommend it. And it's about creating this unbelievable offer that people would feel stupid to say no to. And I noticed almost within day one, getting phone calls and leads coming into our, our inbox. Um, and then working through these discovery calls to really capitulate on that pain point. And I always espouse this. A lot of service-based business owners, when they get a discovery call, whatever industry you happen to be in, they typically go right into why they're the cool kid on the block. These are our features. We got a 24 seven maintenance portal. We have this, we have this, we have this. And they're all trying to sell themselves, right? Um, but they don't ask the, the probing questions or the open-ending questions. Like, like very simple stuff, Mark. Like, hey, what's leading you to have this phone call with me? Like, why is it now at the time you think you need a property manager? Just simple questions like that. Also, hey, my mom, 
It's getting up there in years. I need to move around to assist the living facility. I just got done with a turnover with a tenant. They wrecked the place. My contractor left in the middle of the job. All these amazing stories that you're hearing that I'm like, oh, wow. Like, okay, if your mother's moving to assist the living facility, how can we help that? How can we make this transition easy for you? And that's what we're going to focus on in this conversation rather than how cool I am and what, what great service I provide. And I noticed that our conversions were through the roof compared to our competitors now because I just took the time to ask those questions and build up that relationship that no like and trust mentality is what I take to heart. And I think that's what really started my company off in the right direction. So that's my very long-winded answer of how I got started in property management, started building this out. Um, I'm sure there's some stuff you might dissect there. (laughs) Yeah, that that is a lot of information, man. And thank you for sharing um, about your family and and stuff like that. So my perception is, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that a lot of what makes up your constitution now is kind of not trying to overcome some stuff that your dad did, but just, you know, just set your family on a different trajectory just because you don't, you don't want them to feel the same pain that, that you felt as a child is, is my perceptions correct? Is that what very much so, you know, rides you growing up, I was never the athletic kid in school. At an early age, I had to take on the armor of like the protector of like having the backbone of the family. I kind of carried that through for most of my years as like the martyr, so to speak. That's my own. I am the oldest, yeah. So I only have one other younger sibling. Uh, He's two years younger than me. And he was the all star baseball athlete. You know, he couldn't, uh, he'd look at a baseball and he'd knock it, he'd hit all run. That's how great of an athlete he was. I could barely walk straight. But I, I, I knew that I never wanted to feel as though I was a burden on myself or my family. And this definitely, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs that I've met, have this in them where they don't feel good enough in some way. And that's the mountain I've been climbing and chasing my whole life of like, mm-hmm. let me, what do I have to do to keep keep achieving the next goal and the next goal and the next goal? I know it's an impossible climb, um, but I look forward to the climb because I think that's where real growth and achievement is. And I failed a bunch, man. I, I, I didn't even mention it, but when I was 19, uh, I bought a restaurant that just tanked in the first year. <laughs> Lost like a, like tens and tens of thousands. Those restaurants will do, right? Oh man, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't know, you don't know, man. Um, but I, I gave it a go, and that scared me from entrepreneurship for for a long time. Um, but I, I, I yes, yeah, so I would, I would say that there's definitely uh, a void within me that I'm trying to fill through entrepreneurship, and it's not that I don't want my children to suffer, because I really do believe that failure is the foundation of growth. I just don't want them to experience the pain I felt to that length. And I think as a uh, anyone who's a father out there listening, it's a fine line. You never want to see your kids like really in pain, but you know the lessons there are so valuable. And it's a struggle I always tend to... I don't want to spoil my kids, put it that way. I guess that's... Yeah, I mean, there, Malcolm Gladwell wrote about this in David and Goliath, and he yep. talks about how there's a very high percentage of successful, worldly successful folks who grew up with learning disabilities. And so they learn how to overcome failure from an early age. And so if you if if your whole life is about just success and you never have to deal with failure, when you become an adult and you finally have to face failure for the first time, then you're kind of crippled. Right? Absolutely. And so the idea is like you went through a different type of pain 
yours was um, more of a loss. But if you go through this pain of failure and you have this support system that's there, like, I know mom and dad will always be there. Like Sarah Blakely, the, the lady who invented Spanx, she said every night at dinner, her dad asked, what did you fail at today? And so yep. when she went to create this product, Spanx, which is a world, world success now, she went through like over a thousand iterations where most people have stopped at like 15. And so failure was kind of rewarded. The other side of that coin is if you don't have the support system, a very high percentage of folks who go to prison also had learning disabilities as a child. And so, so it's either become very a very important. successful millionaire or go to jail, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's, it's, it's really important, like your mindset and how you go into it and if you feel safe. Absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, and that's that's kind of what I was driving at, but I, I really appreciate, you know, you sharing that. That's, I know that's personal, and so thank you for sharing. No, absolutely. And I, I always say anyone anyone who's going through a, like a dark place or dark time, I always say ask the question, why is this happening to me? Not woe is not as in the woe is me part, but how can I use this as fuel to for later success? Because it always gets better. You just got to hang in there. I don't care if it takes a day, a year. It, it, it will eventually come your way if you just don't give up and persist it. And that's in business and life. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I I mean that's that's kind of what I started the property management side side of it is I wanted to provide this foundational wealth for myself for my family to give me the flexibility also to not have to answer to a boss anymore, not have to, you know, have anyone withholding to me as far as like a hierarchy. And I want, I wanted my environment to be me, not the other way around. Put it that way. I'll steal a line from the departed and Jack Nicholson says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then, and then from there, you know, it, it the first year wasn't the greatest, uh, but we slowly grew um, just account by account. And as we grew, I noticed other opportunities kind of starting. We were paying outside vendors multiple six figures to handle our turnovers at these properties. And I said to myself, how difficult could it possibly be to have a crew together to handle the basic turnovers that I'm seeing and, and a repeated pattern? It's not plumbing, not high electrical, not HVAC, painting, you know, some light carpentry work, nothing too crazy. At this point... Um, um, where are you after you started the business and how many properties are you managing? We're probably at about 35 to 40 properties that we're managing. Now this is long-term, so I'm not, I'm not in the Airbnb space. So it's a, it's a less management intensive than a high turnover rate that an Airbnb would experience. Sure. But now we have the income source of 40 properties paying consistent rent. Um, and we're getting 10% of that on a consistent basis. So now I have foundational income coming in that puts me at ease to take further risk. Mm. Um, and that's when, when you have 40 accounts, rest assured every week, there's some kind of repair or maintenance request that's coming in on one of the houses. So I knew that, that if I started this maintenance side at, that would be consistent work. We're like, it's not like we're going to hire guys who are just going to sit around. I started to see like, based on our payments to these other vendors that we have the income now to kind of get it rock, to have it rocking and rolling. Um, and I would say income wise, we're probably bringing in about 150 K a year gross, which isn't that crazy for year one. Um, but I knew that there was opportunity on the construction side to capitulate that. And we wouldn't, uh, Mark, when I tell you, I haven't, I didn't advertise a dollar. I didn't spend anything on marketing. It was already set up on the property management side within months. We were hitting 
five figures a month on the construction side. And then by end of year one, I think we were at a half a million dollars in income just on the main. It was all being outsourced previously. Everything was being outsourced. Passed through. You were just kind of coordinating it. Yeah. And I was already doing the hard work of coordination and chasing these guys, making sure they showed up, making sure the quality assurance are there. Now I have it in house. And now I can, I know what product we're looking for. I don't have to explain it to a new GC. I'm like, hey, this is the, we're using Navajo White to paint the walls. This is our standard procedure. This is the checklist. And you can create these SOPs that become very easy to follow where it, it takes away a lot of the uh, high level thinking where, where you have to come up with a new scope of work every single time you're doing a turnover. Um, and that, now it's grown into a multi, you know, close to, I want to say $1.3 million at this point. And um, we're just two years in on the, maintenance um, side. on the maintenance side alone, man. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, and now we're at, we are at, uh, close to a hundred doors. And I mentioned to you before we started the show that I am now as of Friday, we'll be exiting the property management side of the business. I, I was mentioning earlier that the reason being is that it is extraordinarily intensive to handle all the moving parts and property management. And now that I've built up the relationships on the construction, and we'll get into the brokerage side a little bit, I'm too drawn into the PM side where eventually I can stabilize it, but my heart and soul now lies more in the consulting side of the, the business. So that's uh, that's the transition that we're going through. We were talking a little bit about the show and, and you mentioned something early on, like how you handled incoming incoming prospects, so to speak, or incoming homeowners, I should say. And I love your I love your approach of like finding out more about them because what people want to be known, right? People want Absolutely. to be heard. Everyone wants to be heard. They want to be known. The approach we so often take in sales and marketing is to make sure that everybody knows us. And and they don't, you know, they just want to be known themselves. And so I love, I mean, I love that you flipped the script and that um that you are thoughtful about it and that you took time to because it's easy to just get in this rote routine of spitting out all these things that you're good at or that you think you're good at and not finding out what's really important to them. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like, you know, what, where did that come from? Or was that just like a natural thing for you? You know, it's a bit intrinsic for me, but it's also from my education just through listening to various podcasts, reading a bunch of great mm-hmm. sales books. Uh, Patrick ba- David, he's got a great YouTube channel called Value Entertainment. He espouses a lot of this. Um, and from my sales experience in the hotel side, what was honed into us was it's knowing who you're serving. Like I, I always love using this example. The word samurai, people think of samurais as the, the warriors, and they indeed are or were. But the word in Japanese is translated to serve. So I always thought to myself, I'm a samurai, thinking like in a cool, cool way. But my main goal is to serve my clients. And that's what I had when I was running these high level events where we would have a fashion show happening or we'd have a bar mitzvah or a wedding, whatever it may be rolling into our venue was how are we going to serve this clientele and knowing the right questions I ask of what their specific needs are. I have received at a very early age. And I knew that would be so important when it comes to real estate because that's someone typically the greatest asset that a person will individually own is their own home. There's a lot of emotional value that's in there, even if you're an investor. 
So, and every person is going to have specific needs and wants that have to be unearthed. And they might not even know it themselves, but you might be able to steer them in the right direction with just open-ended, open-ended questions. And from there, I uh, immediately use a CRM software. And I always say, this is day one, invest in a CRM software. If you're just doing like through email or just writing notes on a pen and paper, you're doing yourself and your clients a disservice because eventually it's going to kick you in the butt. I built out an effective marketing where as soon as they re- they sent over a inquiry for more information, they immediately got an email. It wasn't just a blanket email template. Thanks for reaching out. Someone's going to co- reach out, uh, contact you in the next 24 hours. It was a video of me. Um, and I, or it could be any of your staff members, whoever your BBM is saying, thank you so much for reaching out. Um, this is who we're about. This is, this is what we're looking to achieve on a discovery call. This is how you can prep for that discovery call. So we, we, uh, you have all the information ready to you. And what that does is that builds out a relationship before they even get to meet you or have a phone call with you. And most, most people in your, uh, in your competition aren't doing that. They're either camera shy or they don't know, they even don't really even know that's an effective tool they can use. And I built out a seven day campaign where every single day, it's a video of me coming right to your email box saying, giving you tips. It's providing as much value as humanly possible for free before you even get to that phone call. Like, hey, these are five common mistakes that I know landlords make on a consistent basis. This is how you deal with an eviction. Whatever it happens to be, I'm giving all this information away from uh, for free. Um, not in the hopes that they'll they'll look at that information like, I don't need Steve anymore. Just cementing that industry knowledge that, man, they know their stuff and I'm going to come prepared to this phone call to have a great conversation with, with Steve and his team. And that can be applied across any industry. I really believe that. That is so good. Like I, I can just tell you have a heart for service. We, um, I create videos in front of all of our homes. And so right after like the day that they're coming in or the day before they're coming in, they're going to get a video of me in front of the home that they're going to be staying in and saying, Hey, welcome. Glad you're staying with us. This is what my family really likes about this home and on and on. But back to like your heart of service, like I'm just reminded of this Bible verse, like I become less so you can become more. And Very true. I just, I just think that we were all created to serve in some way. And if we're not serving each other, then what are we doing? Right? Like we're, we're serving ourselves and that is an endless road of just like, nobody wants to be around that person. Right? Absolutely, so, man. I love where your your heart is and your mind is, um, and I'd, I'd never heard that about samurai, but that's that's super cool because you always think of like warrior and somebody with big knives and on and on, but um, that's pretty yeah. Cool. And with samurai, the if you failed your duty as a samurai to serve, you would commit something called seppuku, which is literal ritual suicide. That's how much shame you felt internally. Now I'm not saying this is what we do now, <laughs> but that's how yeah. serious it was to serve to serve your 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 higher purpose, so to speak. Whether that's your, you know, your Lord or whoever whoever it is yeah. that your deity is, and I think true fulfillment in life is going to be from that level of servitude. If you operate in a bubble, it, there, there's only so much satisfaction you can get out of that. Um, and I feel bad for anyone who suffers from maybe some narcissistic traits who just has that capitalistic mentality of by the numbers, by the numbers. Simon Sneak speaks about this in Infinite Games where he's like, hey, we're not playing to just continuously win. We're playing to be the best version of ourselves every single day. Um, and I'm sure that's what you espouse in your company. Yeah. So it's not like winning where you're checking off a box. Hey, we reached X number of dollars. It's that continuous circle that's happening. That's right. 
Edwin McManus wrote a really good book. And um, he talks about how at the end of the day, when you've really been creative and you've really served others, you feel satisfied. Like we're built that way. But when if you spend a day ripping people off, yeah, you've progressed financially, whatever, you don't feel you don't feel that satisfaction. And so I you know, not that we're on to something and not that we're just now discovering this. Obviously, you know, people have known this for centuries, but you know, some folks do go through their whole lives serving themselves. And so um, you know, I think this is a great topic and it's it's a pretty good It's a pretty good, I kind of think of it like a check engine light on your car. It's a pretty good check engine light. Hey, am I going into business for this, you know, to serve or to, you know, kind of serve myself? So I don't even think about it sales, to be honest, Mark. I I mean, if you're really on a purpose driven mission, to me, it's not a sale. To me, it's like, hey, is this going to be the right product for what you're looking to achieve? If not, no worries. Like maybe the, you're either you're not there or, or maybe this isn't the right fit for you. So I, I don't even like using the word sales because I'm not trying to coerce you or twist your arm to or, or somehow pull the rug out from you to buy one of my widgets or service products. You know, so it's, it's more. And that's why I truly think it's aptly named the discovery call. Let's discover what's the, the root of the, of the issue is here. Yeah. That's super good. And and the only thing you're trying to sell is not your service. You're just trying to sell the discovery call. So that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, and that's where you learn about people. So when you were evaluating, you, you mentioned that you're getting ready to make an exit out of the property management business. Um, did you have multiple suitors or was it just kind of like a off market deal? Like somebody approached you? How did, how did that go down? Yeah. And, uh, I'll get a little personal. So my, my mother passed away just this past June and, uh, thank you. And it was unexpected. And that was the catalyst for me of looking back into my purpose. And I really get fed when I help other business owners. And I enjoy that process because I think it's a ripple effect. You help one business owner who can maybe hire a great employee or double their income. And that, really, really can affect the whole community in some ways. And that was what I noticed my drive was. And I was starting to get drained from the property management side because it was starting to be dealing with unhappy situations from either tenants who maybe they uh, fell behind on rent or there was an issue that that they didn't love it was fixed. And occasionally I had to jump in as the owner of the company to fix those issues. I can get through it, but it wasn't feeding what my purpose was. My goal now is to create a business that I would call a lifestyle entrepreneur where I can fulfill my own personal desires while also while also helping others. So it's not just serve at the expense of nothing. And you know, it's, it's funny. I, I think of it this way. Even if I launch a nonprofit, right? And I think there's, there's a fallacy that might happen with a lot of people where they think they're a good person because they do something good with, with no ask. And I always say that there's always some ask there, even if it's not monetary. So if I give you something, there might be not necessarily a quid pro quo, but maybe you're helping me emotionally. Maybe you're helping me on a, uh, a meditative state, whatever it happens to be. And I wanted to get to that place where it wasn't just the monetary value. Um, and the flexibility. I, I love traveling. I want to be able to spend a few months of the year uh, 
living in Italy, for example, my wife's Italian, and you know, having my my children experience the duality of cultures, or I've gone down to Argentina, I love the culture down there, and having that personal satisfaction as well as having the capacity to work remotely is my new drive right now, because I think that the number one goal for myself, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably feel this, is freedom above almost anything where they can work where they want, work who, with, who, with whom they want to, and spend what time they want with the people they want to surround themselves with. And now I'm at that point in my life where thankfully I have some uh, some money saved up in my piggy bank that I can take that leap of faith now and start a new venture that is going to be very much mission-driven around that lifestyle entrepreneurship and helping other business owners achieve the same levels of success. Yeah. It's not that difficult. I, I think if you just know the pieces to the puzzle and know how to implement it, I really do believe that anyone can have a multi-million dollar business if they just know what tools of the trade they have to implement and they have the so right mentality and don't right? quit. That's it. Just I mean, inconsistent. don't quit. <laughs> and eventually things will turn into your favor. That's my, my true humble belief. Yeah. So your new venture, obviously you'll delve out of the property management business. You'll keep the construction, maintenance and brokerage side of the business. And then uh, you talked a little bit about before the show, helping other folks who might be getting into property management, how to work with clients, how to work with new homeowners. homeowners. So tell us a little bit about that, that, that new venture. Yeah, absolutely. It, it goes back into our early discussion of knowing the right questions to ask and listening more than espousing your beliefs. And I think that a lot of business owners... That's my bad. A lot of business owners won't have the tools necessary or the know-how to set up an effective campaign through either ad gen or social media content to get those clientele in the door and then nurture them into that discovery phase. And I think that's an easy program to set up for any business owner. And that's something that can be taught to their sales team as well. So that's my new goal is to kind of launch this coaching business to help develop other service-based business owners, sales teams. And once that's established and you have a base set up and a foundation of leads that are coming in, now let's work through the other bottlenecks of onboarding these clientele, delivering the, the, the fulfilling the promises you made on the discovery call. Is there any roadblocks that, that are in your operations? Do you have SOP set up as your staff on great KPIs and working through business owners and developing that? And then the final phase is hiring the, the A players. And I have the top-down approach where I look for director level and above um, management skill, skill sets to, like that's why they have a construction brokerage to help launch that division. And they're the ones who are hiring based on your criteria and your mission statement rather than you hiring from the bottom down of more of the admin level tasks where you're very involved in the training as an owner. Because the goal here is to have a business that outlasts you. So you don't want to be a practitioner where if you disappear, the business disappears. You want to be a true entrepreneur. So it's starting in the sales phase, going to operations, hiring the right staff, and then having it where you're more of the visionary figurehead. And then giving you the freedom to maybe launch other ventures or start a nonprofit, whatever, or hike Kilimanjaro, whatever it is that your passion is. Um, and it's getting to that same basis point of asking the right questions for each of these entrepreneurs to understand what their goalposts. Because some people love being in the operations and they, they, 
they don't they can't fathom doing anything else but they hate sales and they want their sales team to kind of take that over so, so it's again program would be soup to nuts anywhere from like marketing like this is this is a good approach to start getting folks in the door start getting phone calls in all the way down to you said KPIs and SOPs and and who to who to hire when things like that so that's that seems pretty comprehensive yeah, exactly. And I think it, it, when you take that holistic approach, you're better able to serve your clientele as opposed to just focusing on the sales. And maybe their fulfillment operations is a disaster. So I could turn on the hose and it might cause you guys to drown. So I want to make sure if we're selling stuff that it's actually going to be fulfilled. Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to um, nip you in the bud just you know a couple of weeks down the line where you have to send out a maintenance call and you have no staff to even send it or you don't have a system of how to handle maintenance calls or whatever it is the operation is that you're focusing on. So, and I think that's going to be the best approach going forward. And we're just launching super excited. So I, October 1st will be the official launch date, but uh, you probably heard it here first. Is it first. a video series or is it like a one-on-one coaching? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I'm going to start off with just one-on-one coaching specifically because I want to see what the questions and the problems are as they arise so I can better answer them and then create the course around the feedback from the one-on-one coaching program. So rather than make a a, a course where it's like, this is how you do sales. This is how you do marketing. This is how you do operations and hope it's a, you know, one size fits all. I want it to be tailored specifically because what I think it might not be necessary what the market dictates. So I want to split, split test this by actually offering one-on-one coaching first and then developing the courses. So it better serves my clients. Um, as opposed to just throwing up a course and just, hey, it's 190, you know, 195 bucks, go buy it. And if you watched, you watch it. I don't really care. I made the money. So I, I want to make sure there's true value there that someone's uh, obtaining. That's so good. That's so good. I love that, man. I love that you're willing to share that. And um, there's a lot of folks who are in the property management business who tune into this. Now, a lot of them are short-term rental property managers, but I think I think a lot of what you've done translates, you know, marketing and onboarding the right people, um, maintenance and cleaning and all that stuff. Obviously, you know, all that translates. It's just a different turnover times, time horizon. So, yeah, I, there's there's definitely a niche in the market, a gap in the market where there's a lot of folks teaching you how to invest in rental properties, but not a lot of folks teaching you how to manage those after you get them. Or how to absolutely a management company and and, and honestly, even for the the small investor who maybe has a portfolio of, of four to five properties, and I love I love the the society that America's developed. We tend to be very individual individualistic driven, where we don't ask for help when we need to, and we think that it's an easy industry to handle. Like, oh, I know how to deal with a tenant, and then you get that phone call at nine thirty, ten o'clock at night with a leaking toilet, and then you get very emotionally driven about it, and your anger rises because you think it's their fault, and there's so many ways to avoid that from ever happening. Um, and there's a system that can be easily imp- implemented that you can learn from property managers who have successfully set this up. Yeah. Um, and even property managers, it depends what your goal is. Do you want to focus just on single family homes where it's access to the landlords? Do you want to be work with only investors or work with four units and above? Um, are you going to go for syndications? I mean, there's so many paths that you can take. And one of the, the, the questions I always ask any clients is what's your unique value proposition. What is your ideal client? And so many people will give me 10 different answers like, oh, we'll take investors or we'll take, you know, a mom and pop or we'll do this, or we'll do that. Or the, the more specific you can be of like, hey, I love working with clients 
uh, John and Jane Doe, they're in their mid forties. They have three properties or maybe two, and they're looking to expand their portfolio just to single family homes. And they make $200,000 a year. That's specific. Now I can, we can work with that of how to target those clientels. Where are they hanging out? How to reach them? As opposed to just being so open-ended if whatever comes in the door, we're going to take. And I think a lot of business owners don't ask that s- simple question of who is your clientele? Um, and I think it, it, the, the closer you can get to honing in on that answer, the better off your your book of business is going to be. Because if you start taking on clients just for the money and you're like, oh, I'm going to take this four unit and just because I need to grow the doors and that you know more doors equals more profit, down the pipeline, you're going to hate the business you, you uh, created because you're dealing with, it's not mission driven. Now you're just dealing with tenants you don't want to deal with. There's that you lost your passion because you just took whatever came your way. And I'm sure as a, as a property manager yourself, you've come into that and we've all made this mistake. You take on clients that maybe your gut told you not to take just to see what happens. And you're like, man, I got to fire this client now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We call them our, our guest avatar and our owner avatar. And, and it's so easy to potentially take on an owner who's desperate, but they don't want to make any investments in their home and make it unique. And then we end up disappointing because we don't have a unique home to market. And then, you know, they're disappointed and we're disappointed and you just wish you wouldn't have done that. And so it's got to be the exact same translation. So if, if somebody has different goals and you know you can't meet those goals, but you take the property anyway, then that's your sudden your disaster. Absolutely. And I was like, look in the area you're in. I mean, I happen to be in a very high net worth area right outside of New York City. It's Greenwich and Westchester. So primarily the cap rates are horrific. You would never really be an investor in this area just due to the high um, purchase rates to even get in here. So I'm dealing with a lot of access to landlords who expect a higher level of service because they're paying five to 10 grand in some cases a month in rent. But if you're in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the average rent is maybe 1400 a month, it's going to be a different clientele. So know your market as, as, as much as you can because and you can really create a great advertising campaign to get those clients in the door. You don't want to set up a luxury concierge service in an area that their typical rents are only $1,000 a month. You're not going to get too much business that way. <laughs> yeah, they want like bare bones, blue collar mentality, which is great. I mean, that's fine, but know, know your market for sure. Yeah. Man, this has been so good. We're a little bit over our time, which I'm super happy about because I would I would love to continue this conversation. But there's a lot like I, I mentioned before. So there's a lot of property managers out there, and they're they're looking to learn from this. They're looking to learn about their guests. They're looking to learn about their potential clients. Um, you know, we've we've talked about a heart of hospitality, but if there's like one or two things that you could say, I don't know if you even have two gems of information that you could say, like what would be that, that one or two things that you would say, Hey, keep on keeping on or, or something like that, that you could say to the frustrated property manager out there. I know this industry can, will, will beat you down or leave you down there. If you let it, um, it can be a thankless job. Certainly can be the way I look at it is you have to look at your, yourself and your teammates and aim. And I love this from Jordan Peterson, aim to get 1% better each and every single day. So even if you get beaten down, what kind, what is one thing you can do in that day that can make even the slightest impact on your industry? And if you keep that mentality of just gradual baby step growth, the compounding effect after a year is absolutely tremendous. 
and take breaks when you need it. Listen to the inner voice where if you feel like you just need to take a day of rest and entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship will do this to you. You think you just have to work seven days a week. Take the four day weekend if you have to. Go for a walk in the woods. Whatever it is that you need to decompress and, and think of, think, you know, that, that, I forget who said this, but a walk won't solve all your problems, but it won't make them worse. <laughs> so whatever you have to do to, to, to strategize, and it doesn't have to always be property management focused on operations. Think of it in a way that can improve your teammates' morale, maybe. Think of it in a way that you can give back to your local community. Whatever that idea happens to be, focus in on that and take a step back to the stuff that's giving you agina. <laughs> and you'll get through it for sure. And I think with that right mentality and focus, and more importantly, paying attention to our, our friend Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena, which we both say the same poster. It's the man who's marred by dust that, that uh, feels that achievement is success. So yeah. think of it that way. This, there's a reason you're suffering. Put it that way. We weren't created to live a, a cush a cush life on the beach drinking margaritas all the time, I don't think. <laughs> no, for sure not. <laughs> I, got, I got two days of margaritas, Mark. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's another good book about that 1% every day. It's called The Slight Edge. And um, the author talks about just that, that 1% focus. That is such good advice. Thank you. Thank you for that. No, it's my plan. And um, I think that wraps it up for us. This has been a pleasure. Like it's, it's so rare you get to meet folks with similar mindsets and a great heart for service and, and hospitality. And uh, you undoubtedly have it. So thank you for joining us today. And um, I think that wraps it up. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, Mark. Really, really. Thanks so much for reaching out. If anyone wants to learn a little bit more about the coaching, just uh, find me up on uh, Instagram. It's uh, Stevie Class. Um, and you can shoot me a D- DM. That's S-T-E-V-E-Y-C-L-A-S-S. And I, again, I so got to ask you how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, you're good, man. <laughs> saying that. So that's Stevie Class. At Stevie yep. And you can find me on Instagram and the website's coming. So we'll have an official site up and running very soon. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And don't forget about the tools available to subscribers. The property manager self-assessment tool, my property upgrade walkthrough list, or the chance to feel like a millionaire for the weekend by checking out one of our own properties in person. It's all available on our website, www.goodendeavorstrshow.com.